I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. Joining me on the Sacktown Royalty Show once again is our good friend and King's season ticket holder, Jill Edge. Jill, it's been a while since we last spoke. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me again. Always love having you on. I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to join the show. As I was telling Jill last night when I was trying to see if she, she was available today, there really hasn't been a ton of King's news recently. That's part of the reason why we haven't been recording. Another part is I've just been kind of lazy, uh, lazy about it. But we have reached the point of the season where the only like relevant thing the Kings are doing is either winning or losing to affect draft position. Like I, I don't know about you, Jill, but I'm on like Tankathon every single morning, refreshing, just seeing what the teams have done from the night prior. Exactly. Yes, and so, it's crazy how one game can literally change your position between one and eight or nine right now. I mean, it's, it's very tight. It's crazy. Uh, so I thought. To change the format up a little bit and to get a show out for you guys, because I, I was actually pleasantly surprised with how many people reached out and asked where the show has been. That makes me happy that people are actually listening and, and enjoying it a little bit. But I thought we'd try something different this week where uh, I told Jill to get three topics, impressions, whatever she wanted to talk about. Just three things that she thought were interesting um, since the last time we recorded, I guess. And I would do the same and we would just go back and forth and bounce, bounce these ideas off of each other. And I'm going to open it up with... Probably the biggest news item, we touched on it a little bit already, but just the only thing, I shouldn't say the only thing, but the biggest thing Kings fans are talking about right now is just tanking. Everything about tanking. We could go a million different directions with this. Um, Should the Kings tank? Are they tanking? Like, then there's the argument, does tanking work? There's a million ways to take it. I guess the point that I wanted to make, and I will actually reference a tweet I saw this morning from John Schumann, NBA.com stat guy. And he said that uh, he had a little tweet with, with some stats, and, and the, the main point of the tweet was, you know, here's the teams that are playing the highest percentage of their minutes. They're giving the highest percentage of their minutes to rookie and sophomore players. And the Kings yeah. are number one. 51% of all their minutes are going to rookie and second-year players. Of course, part of that is because the Kings have, you know, a majority of their Don't roster me. is first and second year players. That's just the way the Kings have decided to rebuild this way. But that does relate to the tanking argument here because I don't know, like, we see what fans say, either on Twitter or the STR comments, and there's a lot of lot of Kings fans who are mad that the Kings are winning. And to be honest, I, I would prefer them lose as well. Like, I, I we're at the point of the season where the Kings have, like, less than 10 games left, and at this point... Whatever you gain from winning, like that, maybe it's a tiny bit of development. First of all, it's impossible to, to quantify, but whatever you gain from a win right. is is way less valuable than a loss. Like just the, there isn't even an argument to be made as far as I'm concerned in terms of what's better for the Kings moving forward at this point in the season. Now, at the beginning of the season, you obviously don't want the team to go 0-82. You know, you can't lose every game, but 10 games left, it's much better for this franchise moving forward for them to lose games. 
But should they lose intentionally? I mean, that's right. impossible. Or play well and lose. Yeah. Kind of like Utah game was like the perfect example. Right. So, so you have Jaeger, who's already playing more young players than anybody in the entire NBA, and you all, and you still have fans questioning why they aren't tanking. And I guess, I guess my point here is like, this is as tanking as it kind of gets. Now, would I prefer more minutes for the young guys, even though they are playing the most? Sure, I would. I would prefer if I, it was in my perfect world that Zebo doesn't play anymore, Temple doesn't play anymore, uh, Kufus doesn't play anymore. I'm missing someone. Vince Carter doesn't play anymore because, again, less than 10 games. It's it's time to shut those guys down as far as I'm concerned. Unless you have injuries or you're just light in a position and you need someone to pick up the minutes, that's fine. But the young kids should be playing 30-plus minutes a night. They aren't yet. I hope we see that. But I'm just not upset about any of this. So how do you feel about where the Kings are at in terms of tanking and draft position? Yeah, I'm pretty much with you. And I, I think it would be an interesting question to ask that if we still had our 2019 first-round pick, would people still be going as crazy as they are now? Because a lot of the comments I see, too, are saying, we only have this pick next year. We don't have anything for the year after that. And we still have people playing inconsistently. And another thing is, I'm trying to remember, too, in recent years, has there been this many bad teams at once like this, too? You know what I mean? How we seem to have these tiers where you have the Warriors, the Rockets, I guess Cleveland, Raptors. You know, you have that top one, and then everyone else is trying to buy their time for when those teams fall off. And so there's so many teams at the bottom right now that have we ever had it where with 10 games left, I mean, literally every game can put you from third, third in the – in the draft to eighth place in the draft, back down to five to six. I mean, it's crazy how for each team, I mean, one game can change so much. Yeah, and that's why I think the fan base is so passionate about this argument. But I guess I, I keep coming back to, like, what else do you want the team to do? I don't know. Right. Like, you can't ask them to lose on purpose. You just can't. And again, I come from no. the standpoint where yeah. I want them to lose. I agree with that. I want the team to lose right now. Right. I'm not rooting for it because, like, whatever I root for has no impact on the game whatsoever. But if you just told me, you know, right. hey, Tony, the Kings are playing the Atlanta Hawks tonight. We're recording on a Thursday. They're playing the Hawks. Do you want them to beat the Hawks? No, I don't. The Hawks have uh, the Hawks have a higher draft position than them right now. If the Hawks beat the Kings tonight, that'd be very good for their draft position. No, I don't want the Kings to win. But... Right. Can, can I expect the players to intentionally lose? No. Do you expect the front office yeah, and the right. coaching staff to manipulate the minutes so that you're playing more young players than as a result would lose? And that's what you kind of consider, like, reasonable tanking? Yes, I want them to do that. And I think Jaeger is, for the most part, doing that. Again, you could argue that a few more minutes here, a few more minutes there, maybe you play Bruno a little bit. That's what I would do. But as far as, like, jumping all over Jaeger and being super upset that the Kings are not doing this properly... I don't know. I can't really re- I can't really get there with you if anyone's thinking that way. Right. And for these guys, it's all about developing. They're playing for the future of their careers in this league. Like, I saw people tweeting nasty stuff at Jack Cooley after that game. I love Jack Cooley. That, that guy's playing to, to be on a full-time NBA roster. Same with Shakar Sampson. I mean, these guys are playing for their livelihoods. I mean, I have no problem with them going out there and wanting to win. That's what you should want these guys to do. 
they shouldn't be thinking, oh, I want to lose. I mean, you want them to be improving, which they are, leaps and bounds in a lot of in a lot of areas since the All-Star game. They're getting all getting more minutes since the All-Star game. Um, I mean, like you said, maybe a couple minutes here and there switched around. Totally understandable. But I think we'll always have that, whether you're tanking or not. Uh, minute distribution, you know, argument. But, yeah, I mean, I don't blame these guys at all. And who uh, – Dave Black, shout out to Dave, um, just posted something before we came on here. And it was an article about um, the Atlanta Hawks and their fans and how after they beat the Utah Jazz, they were getting a lot of hate sent to them from fans on social media. And so they've been responding back to them um, with comments and saying, oh, I guess we should keep our head down now every time we win a game and we should keep our head up anytime we lose. And I mean, it's the fact that players are even having to, you know, say that stuff is just, is crazy to me. One la- cra- yeah. yeah. That's uh the, the Cooley stuff is, is ridiculous because, you know, that's a guy who's on a two-way contract. He's barely in the NBA. He's like every day for right. him is a fight to keep his job. You know, he's very much playing for a contract next year. And I think the Kings would be smart to keep him in their system somewhere, whether it's in Reno, another two-way deal, whatever. Mm-hmm. I love having Jack Cooley around. But you can't blame that guy for going out there and trying to win a game. I mean, that guy, like I said, he's he's not this multimillionaire like most of the guys. He's fighting for everything. Right. Um but I do understand fan frustration because uh, I did the game preview right. for us against the Jazz uh, from last week. And writing game previews right now is just a is a chore, to say the least, because, like I said, no one cares about these games outside of who's winning, who's losing. Last 10 games of the season, there's just not a whole lot going on. So I kind of turned it into a, a tanking thing, and I, I went on a little tangent here. But there was some, uh, I guess I would call it a statistic, but maybe that's not the best word that really highlights why Kings fans are so frustrated and why I I get it. Because since 2007, all right, we're going on 12 years in the lottery. The Kings have drafted 10, 12, 4, 5, 7, 5, 7, 8, 6, 8, and 5. There's not one top three pick in there at all. Through 12 years. So 12 years of losing, the Kings have not had one top three pick. And that's even when we have finished in the bottom three in the league. Right. I mean, and we still... The, the tank doesn't work. Didn't work. We got screwed in the lottery. You get the Lakers, who have drafted top three in the last three drafts. The Cavaliers drafted top three three times since 2011. The Phoenix Suns have drafted top four the last two years. All positions much higher than the Kings, and the Kings have been doing it for 12 years. So I understand the frustration. I do. I'm frustrated as well. Like I, I already said, I want the Kings to lose these games, but I don't know how you tank any more than the Kings have quote unquote tanked. I, I just I don't know what else you're right. supposed to do to to seriously affect what's going on here because like you were saying with Atlanta like those teams are winning quote unquote like by accident also it just it kind of happens I, I don't know that's the yeah. that's the tanking <laughs> tanking thing I'll I'll go over to you to introduce your uh, your first little topic of discussion here um, okay yeah we can talk about um, Buddy Heald and his growth especially at least since. Uh, I guess you could say the all-star break. Um, having some stats here, he is uh, third on the team in minutes, which is good to me for how much he's come, you know, 
switching between starting and off the bench, the, the fact that his minute um, output is still top three on the team, I do like that. Uh, but his the difference between October and March, he started the year um, averaging 10 points a game. Now he's up to uh, 15.2 for March. He's at 15.2. Pre-All-Star game, he was 12.5 points. Post-All-Star game, he's 15.3. Um, so you're seeing growth there. I'd have to say uh, the last four games, he's 20-plus points, 5-plus assists, which he is one of the bottom on our team averaging for assists. So him getting those five is pretty big. And in those games, the Kings have been outscoring other benches uh, 163 points to 54. So I'd like to say him getting other teammates involved uh, can contribute to that. But going forward, it's nice seeing a guy in his second year consistently improving, whether it's points, field goal percentage, three-point percentage. Um, each area, he's trending up. So I'd have to say that that's, that's exciting, having two essential two guards who are trending up. We haven't had that in I couldn't even tell you how long. Um, but that's just something that I've noticed, you know, at least in the last, the last couple months, that his his growth is evident. And, yes, he still has issues with turnovers, but if he's going to be giving you 15 to 20 points a game, I'll take some of those boneheaded turnovers, you know, and I'm okay with letting – some of those things slide and his minute production I believe has gone up since the all-star game as well okay he's averaging 28 minutes compared to 23 so that's nice to see as well that he's getting about five minutes per game per game I'd still like to see it in the 30s but when it comes to Jaeger I mean at least I'll take the I'll take the increase but if he's splitting the games with uh, bogey, then I guess I can understand those numbers as well, too. Trying to get both of those guys on the court, you know, as many minutes as you can isn't always the easiest thing either. But have you noticed anything as well? Yeah, it's great to see Buddy doing this because if you remember at the beginning of the season, he was ice cold. Like he couldn't hit anything. He was he was a, kind of a mess. I think he was average, yeah, 20 from three point average. He was averaging uh, 22%. Yeah. Wow, that's even worse than I remembered. But yeah, he couldn't hit anything. And it was like, <laughs> it was very alarming because that's your, that's a big part of what you got for DeMarcus Cousins. Like some people don't like Vlade Divac as the GM of this franchise anyways. And if I had my preference, I would probably pick a uh, more experienced basketball executive as my general manager. And Vlade is not that. Mm-hmm. So, so I hear the Vlade concerns uh, 100%. But if you're, I mean, that's uh, almost a trade you can't come back from. Is if Buddy Heald is a complete bust in the uh, in the Demarcus Cousins trade, even though I know there's a lot of speculation that the but that that was actually like a Vivek guy that Vivek wanted Buddy, which doesn't right. would not surprise me. But Buddy has been very very good the second half of the year, and just huge. Like you said, I'm looking up the numbers now: fifteen point three points, five point two rebounds, which is surprising since the All Star break. He's, he was never right. been a great rebounder. And 2.7 assists, which is very high for Buddy, considering he's not a guy who's known for his handle or his playmaking. He's very much been a shooter and a scorer his entire professional and college career. So 
doing more than just scoring, even though it's not, you know, it's not like he's having a gigantic impact, but doing more than just scoring is a, is a positive sign. No, I was going to say, and going forward, you know, we're trying to find, to build a core around that, I mean, at worst, if this guy can be your sixth man, you know, putting up these numbers, I'll take it. Buddy has been the guy I mean, uh, more than anyone else where I've, I've been frustrated with Jaeger this year because I know we've talked about it before, but I would love to have seen Buddy, Bogdanovich, and Fox start together because they have been the three mm-hmm. three best players on the team this season, uh, at least the second half. You could argue that Buddy was too bad in the first half to put him in that top three, but I think recently Buddy, uh, Fox, and Bogdan have been the best players on the team, and they haven't started together. That's not Jaeger's starting lineup. And mm-hmm. while I am upset about that to a degree, it's not as if Jaeger is starting... Vince Carter or Garrett Temple at the three. He's giving a bunch of minutes to Justin Jackson. So again, you know, if you're if you're a pro right. ta- if you're a pro tank guy, starting Justin Jackson at the three is probably going to result in more losses if you want to look at it that way than you know giving Buddy Bogdan and Fox thirty five minutes a night. Right. Um, but I don't. That's not why Yaker's doing that. That's just me being an idiot and trying to needle the tanker the tanker crew a little bit more. But I like that Justin Jackson is getting those minutes at the three. So even though I am complaining out of one side of my mouth about Buddy only playing 28.3 minutes in the <laughs> second half, which is still a decent amount, it is for the sake of Justin Jackson's minutes and Justin Jackson's development. And for that, I guess I'm okay with. I mean, I, get, I, I am happy we're seeing a bump from minutes pre-All-Star to post-All-Star. I mean... Yeah, it shows yeah. you that Jaeger's yeah. giving a little bit more uh, wiggle room for Buddy, too, because... Jaeger can kind of get hot and cold on guys, and for how quick uh, Jaeger pulled mm-hmm. him from the starting lineup to begin the season, and you know his minutes were down, his production was down. There's always the possibility that Jaeger would just kind of be out on Buddy Heald, and it doesn't seem like that's the case. Buddy has earned himself back into being like a very vital part of the rebuild here. I was actually watching. Right. Um, I've been watching a lot of Portland Trailblazers recently because they've been red hot and a pretty fun team to watch. And I don't think the Kings have anyone in their backcourt that is necessarily as good or will be as good as Lillard and McCollum. But just looking at how that team plays and how guard-heavy everything they do is, how guard-heavy their offense is, how guard-heavy their leadership is, having De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich, and if you want to throw in Frank Mason there, you know, as like the Shabazz Napier of the group, if you're comparing it to Portland, that's a fun team, that Portland team, the way they play uh, and just had a moment watching that team being like, man, the Kings have some really awesome guards here. I don't know if any of them will reach Lillard McCollum level. It's unlikely that they do that they do because those guys are so good. But maybe some of them do. But even still, it's just having that kind of dynamic in the backcourt moving forward, especially if Buddy's going to continue playing like this, is very exciting. Well, and what's crazy, too, is looking at his numbers as a starter and numbers on the bench, his field goal percentage as a starter is... 39% off the bench, 45. Oh, His three-point percentage as a starter is 36. Off the bench, it's 43. I mean, those are that's, those are big differences. That is dramatic. Difference. That is a dramatic difference. His rebounds are up. His assists are up. I mean, everything from his number perspective as a starter and bench, it's legitimately higher from a bench point of view. Now, I assume at least part of that and is because when yeah. he was a starter in the earlier earlier in the year, he was so bad, and that kind of tanked yes. his starter yes. numbers. Well, but still, yeah, it's a, exactly. it's still a good point. Yeah. Maybe he's just a guy more comfortable coming in off the bench. We haven't seen anything to suggest otherwise at this point. I'll put it that way. Like he's been but very good is, off the bench. Too, yeah, 
is, yes, at the beginning, he's coming off the bench. But late in games, he is playing with Fox and he is playing with Bogey. I mean, he still is ending the game with those guys. And so, I mean, you're seeing numbers, you know, reflect that as well. A little off topic you know, here, but yeah, on, so. you're right about the end of the game stuff. And I was watching, um, there was that week or so where De'Aaron Fox was hitting like a million clutch shots every fourth quarter, um, <laughs> yeah. which was very fun. But when Jaeger had that lineup out there, De'Aaron Fox, Bogdan Magdanovich, and Buddy Heald, you got three players that are very confident offensive guys. And those games the Kings are winning are getting very close in. De'Aaron Fox was getting a lot of credit for his clutch basketball, deservedly so. But you were getting big shots from Buddy Heald, big shots from Bogdan Bogdanovich in that stretch. Again, you've got three guards there who are all, you know, they like the moment. All three of them want that shot. And that's uh, not easy to find. I mean, that's that's legitimate assets for the Kings. Right. I mean, that's you're looking at as that's your core going forward. All right, I'll move on to my second topic. Uh, And this one is something I've been kind of stewing in my head for a while now. And it's something that I've been meaning to write about. I just haven't found the time. And I thought this would be a good little avenue to put it out there. And it may come off as kind of PR spinny for the franchise. But it's something the Young Kings have said so many times this season that I think it's worth taking seriously. And that is that the young players seem to really believe in what they're doing. They seem to have bought into what Jaeger is selling them. Pretty much everyone has said it. Harry Giles, I don't know if you've seen that video of him, like, as he's recovering from his knee stuff. He said he he believes in the Kings. They they think they're dealing with his injury correctly. Bogdan Fox, Buddy, Willie Cauley-Stein, I have them all here in my notes, as having praised the progress. They see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I just think, you know, for this has been a trying year for the franchise. Like, the basketball at times has been hard to watch. Fan frustration is is very high still because, again, 12 years of losing. And I, I know there's some backlash against Jaeger. I see it on Twitter. I see it on the STR comments. I've been a pretty, pretty big Jaeger proponent for his entire tenure here. And that's why I, I preface my comments by saying it's going to sound like I'm just trying to be optimistic for no particular reason. And there's another part element to this where it's like, what do you expect the kids to say? But there has been a lot of very, very good stuff from the young Kings players coming out of the locker room. Just about, you know, their chemistry, how together they are as a team. Like I said, just the vision. They see where it's going. They see the improvement. They, they know what they need to work on. Like I, I, I've seen Willie Cauley-Stein many times mention, you know, like he can see it. He can see it. He can see it. And I have my own thing about Willie Cauley-Stein that we'll get to later. But just keeping this particular subject short because he went long on the first two. I, I have issues with the front office. I have issues with, you know, like I don't know if the Kings have enough talent yet to to develop into something great. I feel like there are a few pieces away still just in terms of young players that need to develop. Like I don't know if they have any all-stars on Mm -hmm. their roster yet. But I like how Jaeger and the young players have gelled this season. And I like what that locker room – we're not in the locker room, but I like what that locker room has going on. Yeah, the chemistry between them just – just seems well they all genuinely seem like they just enjoy being around each other and when you lose as much as they're losing that's hard to come by so i mean we complain about the vets and their minutes and stuff but i mean these are good quality guys and and i think they're a big part of keeping these guys together and their heads up and you know keep telling them that they're progressing and you know that we're on the right path even just a guy like buddy right who had such hype coming in like he was awesome for the kings in the second half of last season he was slated as the as the shooting guard starter. And he's got uh, a stranger, a guy he doesn't know, Bogdan Bogdanovich, coming in from overseas. Mm-hmm. He takes his position. And Buddy, what does Buddy do? He, like, credits Coach for benching him. If you remember earlier in the season, he was like, yeah, mm-hmm. it was a good yep. move. 
He said he likes it, and look what's look at the look at how that has worked. Like that has worked out so well, moving Bogdan into the starting unit, moving Buddy to the bench, and Buddy accepting as a young guy who's trying to be a star in this league to just be okay surrendering his position to Bogdan Bogdanovich because he has earned it and because the bench spot is working out better for him. Maybe that's just high character and less about the Kings' good chemistry, and that just speaks to the, how high character the Kings' yeah. young kids have. Maybe it's that. Whatever it is, whether it's high character or Jaeger cultivating a good locker room, whichever one the answer is, I like that. I like whatever's going on there. He even mentioned that after it happened, too, and when they would be on the bus or in the plane, they would sit together and go over game film together. I mean, you just you don't hear that necessarily about a guy's you know, fighting for the same position or, you know, the starter, the bench versus each other. But yet, I mean, they're totally fine. And they're, they're working together to improve, you know, both of themselves. Yeah, I, I don't know what that counts for. I don't know what that gets you. Maybe it gets you nothing. but Probably just a, two good guys. <laughs> right. As a fan who has to watch this team, though, and for a, for someone who has watched the uh, very disgruntled Kings locker rooms in the past, like... It's gotten bad in that locker room before. This is refreshing, right. and I, I'm enjoying it. And on that note, we can hit your second topic. Yeah, that actually is a good filler. Uh, my next one was about Bogey and how he has been so much better than I expected. I mean, we were all hoping, you know, based on when we were watching the EuroLeague um, last year and how much of a, you know, his team ended up winning the championship. But to me, he's... He's been so much more than I could have hoped for. And the crazy thing is, is with how good he's been, he has been playing for 18 months straight. I would love to see minute distribution over those 18 months and see if anyone else is even close to the amount of minutes that that guy's played. And the fact that on these tired legs, he's still doing what he's doing in his first year in the NBA, I love it. I can't wait to see what he does with fresh legs. That's Honestly. a that's a great point. I might have to do that math and figure out what NBA <laughs> yeah. player has played. Maybe LeBron because he's played so many playoff games in the last, or, or maybe someone on the Warriors. Right. But I'd be interested to see. Like again, having no idea what that number looks like, it's possible Bogdan has played more basketball over the last eighteen months or year than anyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt it's that dramatic, but you know what I'm saying. That's a great point. And Bogdan again, he has surpassed all my expectations. He also certainly. he also leads the lead, uh, the Kings in minutes played as well. Does he the whole year? At eighteen hundred seventy-seven, he's a, a hundred minutes ahead of the next person behind him, which uh, is uh, Willie Cauley Stein. Seems very durable so, too. I mean, he's literally played. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, he's yeah. definitely surpassed my expectations this season. Uh, I, I don't even know what I expected. I can't recall. But he, I mean, I certainly didn't expect him to be the best player on the team this season, and I think. We've reached the point where that's kind of like a universal thought. I don't know. How do you feel? You think he's been the best king this year? Yeah, and and he's been asked to play at times three different positions. Mm-hmm. Handling As them all well. And he handles them all, yeah. Clutch I mean, shots. It, it's you know putting them in, it's no problem. Which because, then leads you to your point of with Buddy and Bogey playing so well, what does that mean going forward with Temple, for instance? I mean, he's since post-All-Star break, he's played... Um, how many games? Only 12 games, but averages 24 minutes during those games. I mean, at, at this point, I get why they're why they're having the play temple, but I'd rather see those minutes distributed between 
Buddy and and Bogey at this point. I mean, I know, you know, it's the end of the season and they have tired legs and stuff like that. But going forward, I want my minutes going to those guys. As much as I love Temple and what he's doing here, um, if he does come back, I just don't see how how you can necessarily fit that in on a on a regular basis, if that makes sense. You bringing up Temple reminded me of a comment that I saw a couple weeks ago that I kind of filed in my brain for some time later, and I guess this is that time later, where uh, he was talking, Garrett Temple was talking post-game about how good Costa Kufus has been for them all year. I don't know if you know where I'm going yes. with this, you probably do. And yes, Garrett, Temple, do. Garrett Temple said something along the lines of, uh, yeah, Kufus has been really great for us this year, he's been you know consistent all year, he's always like this, whatever. I know he has a player option this summer, I sure hope he you know is back with us next year. And, of course, Garrett yes. Temple also has a player option next summer, and he's certainly right. talking like a guy who plans on opting in. So, you know, plenty of months before that decision, he can certainly change his mind. But Garrett Temple is talking like he's a member of the Kings next year, which I'm fine with. I, I Out of the veterans right. that the Kings have, Temple's probably my favorite in the sense that I think he's the most valuable. It's pretty hard to argue against how good of a person Garrett Temple is. Like Garrett Temple is a oh, 100%. he is he's he's a great he's a great guy to have in that locker room. I think he's on the uh, NBPA board somewhere. I don't know if he's the president or vice president, something like that. But he's an asset to the Kings just in his the way he brings players together. If you follow the guy on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, he's always bringing the young kids to dinner or to whatever concert some like yeah. i think they went to the mlk museum or something with like he's always got something good going on for these for the young kings and he's still young enough to the point where he can contribute whereas zebo and vince carter are kind of on their way out so right right no issue if garrett temple hangs on next year but it was interesting hearing him reference the costa kufas option as if he was already picking up his yeah i know that too and i think a lot of it honestly is going to depend on what we pick in the draft as well. Because, like I said, they've played Temple and Bogey at the three this year. So Vince is only on a one-year deal. We have Justin Jackson. Depending on free agency and draft, what they do, you might end up needing those guys to play multiple positions again. And it is nice, I would say, having Bogey and Temple where you know they can play one through three in, in emergency situations if you need it. Yeah, that is nice to fall back. Right. You've got injuries. You've got, you know, and Garrett Temple, as much as I hate watching Garrett Temple play point guard, he can be an emergency, like you were saying, <laughs> at all those positions. So valuable guy to have on the team regardless as far as yeah. I'm concerned. But, yeah, it'll be interesting going forward how that how that ends up getting worked out. My third topic is uh, basically just Willie Cauley-Stein impressions because – I think we may have recorded earlier in like before the season started, or maybe it was me with somebody else uh, recording. But I asked, you know, who is like the most whose whose year is this most important to? And I said Willie Cauley Stein. I think this was a huge year for Willie. What is he? I don't know. Will he defend how Jaeger wants him to defend? Will he rebound better? While Willie Cauley Stein has been better this season, I think he has. I was saying this the other day, and I got a lot of really interesting responses to it. But like. Is Willie Cauley-Stein good? I have no... I don't know. I'm still very uncomfortable with him as a starting center on a good team. I'm very uncomfortable paying him, you know, north of $10 million a year, which his contract will probably look like if he puts up these numbers. You know, almost at the end of the season, and I'm still not sure what to make of Willie Cauley-Stein. I think I'm probably cooler on him than I was 
before the year started simply because I haven't seen quite as much progression as I had hoped. And what this really boils down to for me is that he just doesn't bring it every night. Like, I don't actually need him to get more skilled offensively. I don't need him to shoot a higher percentage. I need him to be locked in more often. Defensively, on the glass, on offense, with the shot selection sometimes, he just doesn't always look like he's he's there. So with that being said, what's your opinion on the progress Collie Stein has made this year? Um, I'm with you on that a lot that it's you see the flashes but it's still very inconsistent and so when it comes to putting up that contract it's going to be interesting to see how the front office feels about him i mean god yeah he is second on the kings in minutes we'll put that out there that's gone up significant last year he averaged 18 minutes a game where this year he's averaging 27 and i think you know part of that last year had to do with DeMarcus at times, you know, when he's playing that you're not necessarily going to see Willie. Wow, but that I forgot he only played 18 minutes last year. That is nothing for that 18.9, so roughly yeah, 19. Yeah, surprising. Close. Yeah, his average in points was 8.1. Now, right now, he's up to 12.3. And his rebounds went from – he. okay, see, this is my problem with it. Rebounding last year, he averaged 4.5. I'm sorry, seven-footer should be averaging more rebounds than than four rebounds a game. Right now, he's averaging uh, 6.9. So that's gone up significantly. I do like that in that sense, he's trending up in those numbers, but I wouldn't necessarily say his overall play is trending up because you're still not seeing overall consistent this every game. Especially with his comments about, you know, his fingers and the rims and when he got hurt, what was it, last week, and he cut his finger. Our first thought, at least I saw this a lot on Twitter, was, oh, God, is he going to go up now? Because this is exactly what he was saying he was scared of, was hitting his fingers on the rim again. Yeah, but there's no reason he shouldn't be getting a double-double every night. There, There is not a reason for it. Especially He's on this too team. athletic, not to Yeah, like, it's not like they have a right. bunch of, like, mega rebounders here. Like, the... The rebounder's there for the taking. He should be he should be going to get those. His free throw percentage is actually down this year. Like I, I don't know. I I loved Willie coming out of college. I was expecting more from him, and he has given us a little bit more, but it's just not enough for me. I, a thing we've been throwing around in the STR text thread is trading him for like a mid first rounder. Would that be something you'd be interested in? Like uh, like I don't know, sixteen, fourteenth or sixteen something like yes. that. Yes. And this was kind of part of my my third one was oh, you know adding Giles next year, mm-hmm. um, and I'll answer that question with how many big guys we're going to have on our team next year um, under contract, and because of where we fall in the draft, we might end up having to draft a big possibly because of you know who's left. That does leave the window open to if you're going to trade anybody. I, I think he's your biggest asset to trade. And at this point, you know, he's been in the league longer than our other two young guys, and you're still not seeing the consistency. Do you want to have – if you don't think you want to pay him, then I think for sure I, I, I would be for that. If they're still unsure of what they want to give him, I wouldn't be opposed to them, to them making that trade at all, no. Uh, so I am actually against that trade. If it was – you know, between 10 and 12, 12, 
like 10, 13, I would consider it more because you might get someone like a Miles Bridges who falls or like a Wendell Carter or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the the one thing that I'll say for Willie, and this is 100% me making excuses for him. So if someone calls me out on that, you're 100% right. But he's played so many minutes with Zach Randolph this season. And he has said in the past, those few games where he started with Costa Kufas, he, he was like very strangely complimentary of Costa Kufas and talking about how great they are as a tandem. Yeah. It made me speculate, again, nothing anyone has said explicitly, but made me speculate that maybe this guy is having like a tough time playing with Zebo, which I can understand that because Zebo gets the ball in the post a lot. He has a little bit of a black hole syndrome there, Zebo, when he gets the ball in the post. He doesn't pass it out too much. Um, he also doesn't, you know, right. he's not very athletic, so he, he can't really help on defense. He doesn't get up and down the court that well. It's putting a lot of pressure on Willie that I'm not sure he's capable of, of handling. Whereas you give him a guy like Costa Kufis, Costa can help him on the glass. Costa kind of stays out of the way offensively. He's not as big as, uh, he doesn't take as many shots as Zebo does. It's kind of like giving Willie Colley-Stein a role player at the four to play with, or the five, depending on how you want to say where they're playing. Right. Um, so I, I would be willing to give Willie Colley-Stein one more year um, as opposed to like yes. a 15, yes. 16, 14 draft pick because I don't think this draft is particularly deep. Like I don't really like too many guys outside of the top 13 or so. Uh, so I would give Willie one I'm more shot. I he might be one of the ones for the next draft, for 19 draft. You yeah. might have... That's more appealing to me. Yeah, if you can go to a team that you can predict might be, you know, worse off in 2019 and you want to go out and trade Willie and kind of gamble, take a lottery pick gamble for uh, for next year, that I am I can totally roll with, understand it completely. Especially because, like you said, the way the draft is shaking up, like, there's a lot of good bigs in this year's draft. And the Kings are all set at guard. They need forwards mm-hmm. and they need bigs. And... There's only so many of them available when the Kings are slotted to pick. So you're looking at Marvin Bagley, Mo Bamba, Jaron Jackson. Those are all guys that are very much in play for the Kings. Wendell Carter, when they pick this year, those are all guys that are pretty locked into the front court. So it's entirely possible that they do trade Willie just because he's kind of the odd man out if they bring in one of these other centers. And it'd be interesting to know who, free agent-wise, they might have their eyes on as well. You could have, you know, an Aaron Gordon. You could have a Randall. I mean, and if they have their guys set on something like that, um, on those guys, then I could see Willie being being movable, and then you go forward with Scal Giles, and then you figure out what you're going to do with Costa and Zebo at that point. If you were going to go out and get another small big man. I yeah, so, something is probably going to happen here with the front court. Don't know which piece it is. Maybe it's Labissier that they move. Um, but with Giles coming in and the draft shaking out how it's shaking out, and like you said, free agents, Gordon and Randall, two uh, unrestricted free agents that might be in play. Like, if you can steal one of those guys, it's a it's a good shot to take. Um, I would expect something to shake up in the front court this summer. And like I said, that was more along the lines of what my number three was. If you have all these big men, and we've already talked about minute distribution between all those big guys, moving forward, you got to figure out what you're going to do. I mean, Scal, I know he was injured at times, but... His total minutes that he's played is is very low compared to the rest of the young guys in the vets. I would say he only has a thousand and seventy seven, where Buddy's or no Bogey's leading with eighteen seventy seven. And when it comes to the other big guys, Willie Colley Stein has one thousand seven hundred and fifty eight, 
Uh, Randolph had 1,500. Um, Costa had uh, almost 1,300. And then you're looking at Scal with 1,077. I mean, that's significant less. And if so, you're, you're saying Giles is coming back or coming, you know, back for the first time. You're going to be giving him minutes. We were already saying Scal's not getting enough minutes as it is. How are you going to make all these guys work together and still give them minutes and grow? It's going to be really interesting to see how they figure that out. I'll say it again with Scal. Now that he's up to uh, over 40% from beyond the arc. That guy needs to look for his shot. Shoot that three until that percentage goes down. Let's see what you can do as a stretch four because that's a position the Kings don't have anybody for yet. They don't have anyone, any of their front court that can shoot from deep. Scal can be the guy, or maybe he can't, but let's shoot some more threes, Scal, and let's see how what that percentage looks right. like. His field goal percentage in March is 66.7%. 66% pretty, pretty strong. percentage. He's been better. At, at almost 27 minutes a game. Wow, he's playing 27 per game. That. I wouldn't have guessed that. In March. Yeah. In March. Well, yeah. that's still more than I would have guessed. Um, post-All-Star break, he's playing, yeah, 27 minutes. He's averaging 27 minutes compared to pre-All-Star, which was 18. Do you have uh, his so points that's a, on that? That's a significant increase. Okay, 11 points, 5 rebounds post-All-Star break. Yeah. Pr- pretty much what Willie's giving Compared him. to 8. 50% three-point so, shooting in the I mean, second half of the season. Shoot more threes. Smile, shoot it. more threes. And his, his free throw percentage is high. I mean... Going forward, I, I want to see him get more minutes. Yeah, it's been kind of a lost year for Scal, though, and that's a, a pretty big bummer. When you think of how much he played last year, though, do you remember how much time he spent going back and forth? We really didn't see him until after the All-Star break in the trade consistently. Mm. To me, it seems like we, we've gotten a year and a half out of him. I know he's been in the league for two years. But I still feel like it, it's a pretty small sample size. Yeah, and maybe that's just how it's supposed to progress for him. He was pretty raw coming out of college. So the first year, he goes back and forth right. from the D-League. Second year, he's sort of consistently in the rotation, but not a major piece. Maybe that third year is where he gets a significant bump and a, a increased role. But as we already addressed, the front courts, it's going to be hectic this summer to see what they do there. So he may never get that yep. opportunity, which would kind of be a little disappointing. I know. Because I think we all, we all like scale. He's going to have to force it. Yeah, there's... There's not going to be much where you can't start slow next year. I, I mean, you can't. Right, if he's here, for sure. Was there anything else to say, or was that was that our topics there? I think that was I think it. That was everything. Can you think of anything else? I think that's it. Uh, we probably won't record again until the season is over. Look at what we talked about today. It was nothing, like, recent. Um, or nothing that was, like, time-sensitive, because, again, there just hasn't been a ton, right. ton of news. But I appreciate you jumping on the podcast with me today. Thank you for having me on again. All right, Jill, we will catch you next time. All right, see ya. Bye. Find some old forgotten words or ancient melodies. He turned to me as if to say, Hurry, boy, it's waiting there for you.
dogs cry out in the night as they grow restless, longing for some solitary company. I know that I must do what's right, sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus above the Serengeti. I seek to cure what's deep inside. Frightened of this thing that I've become Gonna take the light to drag me away from you There's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do I guess the rain's down in Africa We're gonna take some time to do the thing we never I'm ready to make my credits count I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.